Podcasting straight from North Carolina is Dr. Jennifer Eichner-Lowry sharing her author journey with you. Jen Lowry writes is a place where amazing things happen for authors and readers together. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate podcast host. Jen is just the bird singing the song. She is a published author, educator, homeschool mama, life coach, and dreamer. Join her on the daily journey of discovering what this writing life is all about. Let's see what she will be led by the Holy Spirit to talk about today. Here's Jen. Welcome to my official author podcast. My name is Dr. Jennifer Lowry, and today I want to talk with you about your opening pages. Now, we all can say we know why this important topic must be discussed. (laughs) And I also want to share with you from what I see as an educator. Now, you guys know that I'm a literacy coach. So, not only do I have my own class of students, you know, I have the bird's eye view of over 2,000, you know, young adults. And I'm sure that there are adult readers that do this same exact thing, and they probably have built their patterns uh, from their teenage years, possibly. So, imagine when you hear a child who's you know, already claimed that middle school was not their best for reading, and um, they could come to my class, they're in ninth grade, we start SSR, Silent Sustained Reading, I truly believe in Penny Kittle's work, Book Love, if you haven't seen that, you need to watch some videos, Um, she's on YouTube, I show the video, one of the videos, where it's why teenagers aren't reading in high schools anymore. It's some kind of title like that. But I show that to my students every year, and I get an opportunity to share that with many other classes since I am the literacy coach. (laughs) And that's a part of my job is to share resources. But to see the, the numbers that students claim that, you know, they have read the year before, and many of them write big old goose eggs on there. And so they have built these patterns up. Not all of them, but quite a few of them. And now, you know, we're having to battle the app, the, the Instagram, and all of the, the SoundClouds that are out there, and the, the Spotify's, and they're, they're listening to playlists, and, you know, instead of reading Kindle books, and And so we do have kind of an electronic disadvantage, you know, if students aren't pulling and and doing audiobooks or reading aloud or going to their phones for reading and using it for other sources of entertainment. So it is surprising yesterday when one of my students walks in, because we've done SSR since the beginning of the year, she walks in proudly holding her book and she goes finished it and the whole class turns and looks at her and says wait a minute didn't we just get new books yesterday or didn't we just renew yesterday she was like yeah but I finished it and they're like how did you do that I couldn't stop reading it and she said if you like Shutter Island which of course I do and that is one of her favorite movies she said she wrote it down on her reading inventory at the beginning of the year that Shutter Island was it for her so I had remembered her saying that 
She said, if you like Shutter Island, you will love this book, and you will not be able to put it down. Well, no one else kind of responded. I don't even know if they had watched Shutter Island with Leonardo DiCaprio in it or not. And I think Mark Ruffalo was the cop in that. I just love that movie. It was a long time ago. But I love that movie. Um, so I'm like, ooh, ooh, that sounds like something I would like. She said, oh, yeah, it's got some twists in it. The name of it's Complicit. So I'm like, okay, I want to see, you know, what it was that drew my student in so profound. And she goes off to get her new book, and she's all excited because she's still off the high of, I can find my next good book, right? <laughs> and I'm trying to finish up a book that I started for the book challenge, but in front of them, I had left it at home. And so, what do I do? I grab Kelsey's book, and I say, okay, this is the one I'm going to pick up and read. I'll read this one at work. That way, I don't have to keep, like, switching books and then losing it, because that's what happened with the Book of Love. I lost it at work, and then later found it. So, I was like, maybe, you know, I need to have a home book, a school book, a homeschool book, and I can keep myself, you know, level-headed in all of this, okay? Because <laughs> this is how I roll. <laughs> So we have our time set aside that we read and I watch the students and I've told them you know I give you the liberty to drop a book drop it if you don't like it I'm gonna tell you right now as an adult if I don't like the way a book is going I'm not gonna read it look how valuable my time is if I do have you know little square inches of free time I'm not just gonna give away all of that now I want to sit in my little box and I want to be happy with the book of choice so yes I will drop a book and I give them the freedoms to do so. But the more I see their patterns, the more I encourage them to stand by the shelves, pull the book, and read the opening lines. Read the first page. And not all of them listen to me. Some of them are still just aimlessly wandering and they will pull a book or they will go based on you know, a student or what I recommend or what my librarians will recommend until they, you know, find themselves in books, where they fit in books. And I'm fine with that, I'm patient with that, because I still see that they're reading and we're discussing. But then to see the children standing by the shelves and actually doing what I ask them to do, I don't demand it, but I encourage it. Read the opening lines, read the first page, so authors, I tell them that because that's where it's at. That's kind of where you know. From the first page, you're going to get a setting. You're going to get a description of something. You're going to get the voice. You're going to get the thoughts of a character. You're going to get a dialogue, a scene. You're going to get something that's either going to make me want to turn the page, make me want to finish the first chapter. If I can get through the first opening pages. I mean, I'm going to be realistic with you. This is just me talking and you guys may say, gosh, give the writer a chance. <laughs> but for me, if I can get through the first couple of pages, then yes, I'm hooked and yes, I'm, I'm going on and I will finish it. Even if, you know, like, so I read this book, I got really involved in it. Then in the middle of the book, it, it, I felt like it went through a slump. I felt like it was striking out. Like, and we were in the World Series here, and I had invested time and energy in these characters, 
and we were, you know, at the bottom of the night, and they were striking out. Now, what do I do? Do I just pack up all of my things and leave the stadium and just drop the book? Because here I am in the middle of the book, and we, you know, World Series tickets are expensive. So is my time. So I battled through it and made it to the end of the book. And I was glad that I did, you know, because then I had a learning opportunity from that. I got to see, you know, the pace. I got to see, well, you know, I could break it down, kind of deconstruct it as an author with my little telescopic lens, (laughs) you know, like with my, especially my son is a huge, heavy critique, um, feedback bouncer offer. And he was really good with me, you know, saying, these are some things. This is where, can we just get over this? Can we just, and so I would watch his patterns as well. And I felt them too, but I couldn't, you know, as much as we had invested, I couldn't just say, okay, we're going to drop the book. I'm like, no, let's talk about the endearing qualities of what we do like and let us keep going through. So, you know, I really believe that the importance of the first opening pages for kids, especially if you're writing for YA audiences, and if you're writing from uh, adults like me, those opening pages are priceless. So I picked up Complicit, and this isn't a book review on Complicit because I haven't finished it yet, but I am on chapter six. So as you can see, it was a really quick read. I had 15 minutes and I was already into like chapter six when uh, my timer on my phone went off and I had to bring the kids back in for us to um, finish up our annotations on a short story. And I showed her, I'm like, she was like, I told you, I told you that it's good. And it's good because you already start to feel compassion for the character. You already start to feel the tension mounting. You want to know now what's going to happen next. And I like, you know, I like fragmented works. I like when a when a character is thinking in fragments because maybe we all kind of think maybe like that. I don't think in full, complete sentences all the time. So when I'm reading short, choppy sentences for thought processes, I can relate to that. And so I just, I really liked it. And I saw why, you know, she held on to the book. So here's my challenge for you. Do like what I asked my students to do. Go look at opening lines and opening pages. So, you know, I tell mine, you know, go through the first page, flip, see what you think. If you're not there, you know, by the end of the first chapter, if, there, if you're not invested already or you're just not at least a bit curious, you don't have to like full on blown love the thing, but you just have to be curious enough to where your fingers are itching to turn the page. So are you curious? And then identify what it is that makes you curious. And if you want to do research this way, I think that it could be very valuable. You know, take your journal along with you and say, you know, how are these books starting off? What is it that made me curious? Think about it as, you know, an author. What choices did the author make? 
in order to build that within you, that thought of what makes me want to turn this. Now, my favorite lines, I think, oh my goodness, I'm trying to think of like favorite lines that have opened a book, and I really believe that Pride and Prejudice is one of my favorite openings of any book ever written. So if you haven't visited that in a while, you can go online and you can go and, and see. They have um, online versions that you can get for free since it's classic. Um, you can, you know, I think it's like the Gutenberg Library, but you can you can look at the opening lines, or you can just Google the opening lines of Pride and Prejudice, and that got me. And many seniors that I've talked to that are reading that book as a requirement, they'll say, "Oh yeah, yeah, this is the book." Even today, <laughs> I'm so proud. But I will tell you that openings are also important for agents. Because many times when we're having to do unsolicited manuscript pitches, they'll ask for the first 10 pages. So if you ever wonder, do I need a beta reader? And a beta reader, one, needs to be somebody you trust, somebody that you know will give you feedback. The first 10 pages could be the greatest place, I believe, to have a beta reader. And you're not asking for a full-time read my, you know, 8,655-page novel that I wrote, you know? And then they look at you and go, uh, okay. <laughs> no, just first 10 pages. And get their responses from those. And I've told you before how to, you know, get beta readers. You could do the Facebook group of your friends and family on Facebook, a secret group. You could go to the library and you could have a beta read with an authentic audience. You could set it up with the librarian. You could set yourself up a table, put yourself a little construction card tent up there, fold over a piece of construction paper and say, you know, please help writer. <laughs> and I bet somebody would love to just sit across from you and talk with you about your first 10 pages. So think about your opening. Do some research about openings. And when I sat in front of my computer screen, you know, did I do that? You know, I prayed, I typed. Did my opening need work? Yes, because my openings could have, you know, been maybe a little bit too descriptive and repetitive maybe. And, oh, you got to get to the point quicker. This is why, A, you know, and sometimes I get carried away in my own writing piece because, you know, I've got to fully explain this, this, and this. And, no, no, you know how I talk. So that's where the editing and the revising comes in. That's where, you know, it's really great to get that constructive feedback that says, this feels a little redundant. You kind of talked about her emotions in this way, you know, earlier on. So, so how about just cutting this whole paragraph out? Sure, I can do surgery. Snip, sip, sip. I'm a doctor. <laughs> Not that kind, but still. Snip, sip, sip. 
So what is it that you like? Just ask yourself the questions. What is it that you like about books at the very beginning? Now, if I can get a hold of a book that I'm reading and it starts to make me smile at the very beginning, you know, that's that emotional appeal. If it starts making me feel, ooh, you know, I like this. I'm talking about word choices. I can read a book just to see how an author develops something. Even if I'm not even necessarily invested in the characters right away. If I like the style, that will pique my interest. And I'll look at it for stylistic purposes. There's many reasons to read a book, especially if you're an author. It's not just like we need to get lost in the world of books. Um, we've been doing that for years and years and years. <laughs> I bet you could think about books when you were younger and, you know, what those books meant to you. So, you know, I don't have to convince you the power of the book or what books stand for or why. I have to convince you of why it's important to really focus on your first 10. And I will not be the one to say that YA, you know, young adult audiences have short attention spans nowadays and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to do that because once you hook and engage a reader at any age, you've got them. And yes, I will admit that we are battling, you know, oh, there's a bell on my phone. Let me go check to see um, who snapped, you know, right now. You know, and it's a picture of a carpet on the floor. No joke. A kid was in my office one time and he actually snapped the carpet. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, is this your GPS? You like make marks of the, every step you take, like to document your journey. I mean, it's amazing what kids will do with a snap. So I will admit that they do have, you know, other interests other than books. So we are like battling that. But once you get a student, you got them. You've got them. And you're not going to hook everybody either. So be very mindful of that when you are having your beta readers read. So let's say you have 10 beta readers and you have, you know, seven that say one thing and three that say two other things and a thing. <laughs> Follow that train of thought that I just said. You get where I'm going with this, right? So imagine yourself at the other end of your computer screen and you're looking at all of this. Well, what do you do with it? You take their consideration you take their words, you pray over those words, you don't make hasty decisions, but you do revise and you do edit based on constructive feedback, and you're open to it. And then you reread your 10 pages. And then you step away from your 10 pages. And if you don't want to do that at the very beginning, that's fine. You just keep on typing, 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 typing. But when you maybe get to a low point or if you want a refresher or if you like to do, like I know someone that writes a chapter, pulls it out to betas, comes back, edits, revises, will not go to the next chapter without what they feel is a perfectionist type stamp of approval that their chapter is complete based on whatever rubric that they have in their mind um, 
that process for me does not work. That's why I value listening to other writers because I love to hear how their process works. Now that works for this writer and all well and good. For me, no, that doesn't work. Now I did break apart one of my books for beta readers because I realized that I was asking too much of my betas because my betas are usually either full-time workers, full-time college students, full-time, you know, everything. And, you know, I didn't want to overwhelm them. And I did find that breaking it apart really helped with my feedback. It really kept it fresh and it kept the excitement going on. When was I going to send them the next installment? So I will always do that from now on just because of my personal experience with that. So try it. Write your 10 pages. Yesterday, I saw someone put their first, and you it's not a paragraph because you can't tweet out a paragraph, but someone actually tweeted out the opening lines of their book and put it out there for all the world to see, and they said, I know that this sounds bad. I really need help with this. Can you fix it? This is the opening lines. And it was straight into dialogue, which is fine with me because I love that too because then I start to try to figure out the voices and I'll start playing like, you know, voiceover actor in my head like I'm some person that's been hired by, you know, Spongebob to do it. So I'm okay with that, but doing it that way, you know, and if you've got like 5,000 followers on Twitter, are you going to actually go through all of that? And if you do, you know, how much of that advice is from people that you know, or I'm like, mm, I don't know if I would do that. And you're putting it all out there for 5,000 of your followers to see. I don't know about that. For me, beta readers are a close circle of trusted people that you know, or, you know, people that you have formed a relationship with through, you know, writing groups or Facebook groups or, you know, that share the same genre that you share. And without the person kind of knowing where you're going with it, just throwing that out there on Twitter, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying think about things like that, you know. When I saw it, I was like, hmm. I know my opening lines are about her emotions and how it feels for her. And so I'm a touchy-feely person, and when I'm talking about my, my, my character here, that I love so dearly, like she's my own, like she's part of my family. You know, I know her. I already knew that, you know, she had to be tough, but emotionally she was kind of a mess. And so I needed to set that stage early on to kind of show emotion, show setting, show scene, give a little background. And so those were the choices that just came, but they came like, you know, organically. They came naturally for me. I didn't plan that out. But it all fit together. It just needed a lot of revising. It needed a lot of cleaning up, which I, you know, highly value my editor to the moon and back, you know, appreciation and, and love for my editor. 
because they saw the things that, you know, I failed to see because I was so invested in my own work. And I had read it a million, gazillion times. So it rolls over in my head, you know, the way that I think it should roll over doesn't mean that it sits there on its own in a way that engages and hooks in. And so editors will look for those pieces too. So I'm very blessed not only to have my publishing company, but to have, you know, the editor on staff that, you know, truly had a a beautiful eye. Like the Lord, I knew it. As soon as I started to see the critique, I knew that the Lord had matched me with the perfect editor for me, for my work. And I received every single comment. Well, it landed so soft to me because I prayed through that. Your 10 pages, your first chapter, really sparkle that thing up. Like, And it doesn't have to be glitter fantastic. I, I, I wish I could really say to you what I mean. Because then you'll think that there's some magic formula that you've got to go out there. And then you'll second guess everything. But all I'm saying is research. What is it that is the hook? What is it that is the engagement piece? And leave enough in chapter one for your readers to want to turn that page. And then try it out with people and see what their initial response is. When the initial response from a beta was running over to where I was saying, okay, this was in chapter one. Who are these people? Do you know them? You have nailed the Southern voice. Bottom line, you've got the voice. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. (laughs) I'm glad you think so, Lord, if I would have messed that up. Seriously, if I'd have messed up that Southern voice, then, then I would be like back to the drawing board, people. I would be seriously in some prayer. But that's the stuff that we need to hear. Are they real? Who are they? Do you know them? Can I look their story up? No, no, they're not real. They're well, they're real to me. They're my babies. They're they're mine. <laughs> and that means that that person became invested in wanting to know about that character. So I think to me, my character development is one of my primary suits. Like the description, I may lull, so then I have to edit and cut. But the building of the character. That's where, you know, I want my work. That's where I want my heart to be. It's in that character. So maybe that's why when I read back through, you know, I check for characterization. I check for developing that connection with the reader through the, the thoughts or the dialogue or the scenes of that character. More so than trying to explain you know, the world away. So that's my encouragement for you today. Go out there, research opening lines, research first chapters, 10 pages, and start taking notes. See what patterns you're developing. And then talk with other people. Ask people, just random. Ask people in your family. Put it out there on Facebook. Send them private messages because sometimes, honestly, when you ask a question in your Facebook, let's say you have 500 family and friends on your Facebook. 
Sometimes people do not want to comment because then they know if somebody else comments, it's going to keep getting dings and they don't necessarily turn off the notifications. So if you, you know, write yourself up a little thing, I'm working on a novel. Can you, add, can you answer me this question? What is it that hooks you in that makes you want to stay somewhere in a book and not put it down? And then what is your biggest turnoff in a book? If you want to ask that for research purposes, start, you know, copying and pasting it, going down your friends list, hitting message, 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 and seeing if you get some responses back. That's where I would go instead of, you know, putting it out there like for everyone to comment under because they may not follow the thread. They may not. Or they may not want to answer because they don't want to get so many dings. They might have a meeting coming up. They might be at work and they may say, gosh, if I put that, I know the answer to that. You know, they might not answer it. But if you send them a private message, you may get more response for your research. And try to hit those areas where, like if you're writing for children, talk to moms and dads who are reading aloud to their kids. If you're, or teacher friends that you know that read aloud in class or watch patterns of students that are reading books. Because teachers are constantly engaged with their students on the patterns and be reading behaviors and trying to encourage, you know, reading. So they may have some really good words of wisdom for you. And if you're not sure and you don't really have a lot of, you know, contacts, take that same pitch that you put in a Facebook message Take and go to your local, you know, elementary, middle, or high school website, find teacher addresses, and say, you know, this is not spam. I'm a local author and would love your input for, as an educator. <laughs> and maybe you'll get a teacher to email you back. And maybe you'll actually get a volunteer opportunity to go into a class and read your first 10 pages. Now, because I have uh, classes at my disposal, reading the first 10 pages for research purposes are extremely easy for me. But for those of you out there that don't have access, there are ways that you can do so. Talk with libraries, talk with media specialists, and um, get it working. And then I really believe that once you get down these first 10, other things will start to fall into place for you. You will start to hear the voice of readers in your head as you write. And I think that that can make our work stronger. So good luck. I hope you let me know how your research is going. And you can share with me what's your favorite opening lines of a book. Mine is Pride and Prejudice. I challenge you to also go and find that today. Um, have a blessed one, guys. So I challenge you today to go out there and write something inspiring and share it with the world. Thanks for joining me on Jen Lowry Writes. You guys have a blessed day.